Welcome to Singing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Many asking a question, and not being facetious, what is a woman? A woman, woe, man, biblically, is an Adam. We see there in Genesis and the creation that God created man. And we see in Genesis 1, that God created man left in his own image. And he said, let us make man in our own image, plural personal pronouns. Very next verse. So God made man in his own image, male and female, created he them. Singular personal pronoun. There we have discussed, there if you follow the ministry, in Genesis 1.26, that it speaks of the attributes of God, not persons. If you haven't seen or heard that podcast or the teaching on that, uh, you can go back and catch the archives, and it's very simple. It's about a couple hours teaching on that. The attributes of God are not persons, but they stand alone uh, in a singular uh, personal pronouns, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, with a single personal pronoun. But wisdom is an attribute of that one spirit. Love is an attribute of that one spirit. Understanding, power, all of these are attributes. But the point we want to focus on today is what is the definition of a woman? Now, it's not good that man should be alone. God stated that. And Adam had named all the animals and uh, the creeping things that came into the ark. But there was not found a helpmeet for Adam. And God said, it's not good that man be alone. And he would form out of Adam a rib, and it would be called woman. Now, it's very important that we take a look at that, that woman is capitalized, W-O-M-A-N, not just a lowercase, but that in bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. The rib out of Adam's side was not just a rib. It was a little side, a little side of beef out of his being. And we see that in Genesis 2 as we read. And we talked about the four rivers and then the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And tells Adam, then they that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Now we start with Genesis 2, 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. Not a help mate, a help meet. It will meet in the favor of God. We see that in Proverbs 18. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtains favor of the Lord. There is there a completion that, as speaking a mystery concerning Christ and the church, that they will both be one flesh. Now, we're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, in that mystery. But to understand what that means, we have to go back to creation. And we see in Genesis 1, 27, so God made man in his own image, 
male and female created he them. Now he formed Adam of the dust of the ground, as we'll see, and then he breathed in him the breath of life into his nostrils. He became a living soul. There, the Eve, which was not called Eve at that time, God called them Adam, for they were one. And we go on, and it says, And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Now, it's already stated it's not good for man to be alone. And that God said, I will make him a help meet for him. Then he talks about his creation. There, all the beasts of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them, because Adam had the dominion. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof, not just the name, but the essence, the whole uh the whole phylums of creation was subject to Adam because he was put over all the work of God's hand. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, the fowl of the air, and the every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. Now that means it will not be of any of the creation that God has done. And we'll see that in the next verse. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Not just a sleep, but a deep sleep. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib. Notice that. That was already created in Adam. Of the dust of the ground, God breathed in him the breath of life. And of that rib, it states, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, woman there is not capitalized. But we'll see in the next verse that it is. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And... She shall be called woman, capital W-O-M-A-N. That means as a state there in creation that it is a divine appointment of God that he formed of Adam. Adam didn't do it. God did. And it was a crowning creation of God called woman, capital W-O-M-A-N, because she was taken out of man, capital M-A-N. Why? Capitalized, because he was in the image and likeness of God. Both of them, male and female, created he, them. And we're going to see, therefore, because of this, that is the creation of God and his intent that we're going to see in Ephesians 5. This is speaking of a great mystery of Christ and the church. That those that 
are in Christ will be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, being one with Christ in the flesh. Now, he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit, and that is the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. That means them being one, and they shall be one flesh. Not two, but one. They will become one flesh and think in the soul realm, then the mind, will, emotions, imagination, and intellect become one in their thinking and one in spirit with the Lord and grow in favor. It's the favor of God that we see in Proverbs 18. He that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and has favor of the Lord. And they shall be one flesh. Now, the whole mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world has been to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus. Jesus prayed that prayer in John 17. Father, make him one. Now, he's in the days of his flesh. Yes, he is that spirit. He always has been the spirit of God. He is the father of glory. But he made himself of no reputation. He emptied out of glory and by doing so, took upon him the form of a servant coming under his own law. And that flesh that he had prepared for himself, therefore was of Mary, a virgin, shall conceive, bring forth a son, call his name Emmanuel, God with us, according to Isaiah 7. <clears throat> and it came to pass, Emmanuel, God with us, and called his name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Now, for that man and woman to be one flesh was God's will before the beginning of the world, before the foundation of the world. We find that in Ephesians 1. The mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world has been to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus. All things basically is all truth because faith is the substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen. <clears throat> But it was there, determined of the Lord in creation when he made man in his own image. We'll see that in Genesis 5, that only after the fall and eating of the tree of knowledge, that we have Adam naming the woman Eve because she was the mother of all life, or the life giver, woman. Therefore, a man cannot bear seed, and it's only the seed of the woman there that speaks of the first proto-evangel of the Messiah. And that is a miracle and a mystery in that a woman has only X chromosomes. The male has an X and a Y chromosome. And depending upon the chromosome, whether it's a, in that last state of chromosomes, in the 23 chromosomes, 23 from the male, 23 from the female, that the male will be the determining gender of that child. 
if the X chromosome of the male goes with the woman's X chromosome, it will be a female. The woman only has X chromosome. However, if the man has a Y chromosome there with the X chromosome of the female, then it will be a male child or a man child. And that is the mystery that we see in Genesis 3.15. Where will the Y chromosome come from? Well, it will be a virgin that will conceive and bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel, a man-child that God spoke to the serpent. Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and your seed. Thou shalt bruise his head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. There we have not her heel, but his heel, that being male or a man-child. So the man-child will crush his head, and the serpent will bruise his heel. Speaking of the woman bringing forth a man-child. Now Jesus, Jehovah is salvation, did not, and God, did not want to be alone, but wanted to bring forth many sons unto glory. How does he do it? He goes to a cross, and there's a deep sleep upon the the man, Christ Jesus, who is God manifest in the flesh. There we have Longinus's, Longinus' spear pierces Jesus' side, just as it was that God took a rib of Adam after a deep sleep was upon Adam. God himself in his own body, this mystery concerning Christ in the church, Jesus upon the cross, Calvary, Golgotha, Longinus, pierces Jesus' side after he has died. And forthwith there came blood and water. Not blood only, but blood and water. And that is out of his side, which will birth the church. That is bone of Jesus' bone, flesh of his flesh, just as it was of the rib of Adam, bringing forth the woman, capital W-O-M-A-N, from the man, capital M-A-N, which is in the uh, likeness and image of God. That's the reason it's capitalized. Now, what is that man? Man in the supreme sense is God himself. You'll see that in John 3.13. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Jesus standing there before his disciples, saying that he is in heaven. And a man, man in the supreme sense is God. We see it again also in John 8, 13 through 27. The Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you bear record of yourself. Your record is not true. Well, Jesus said, though I bear record of myself, my record is true. I'm not alone. I and my father that sent me. He goes on and explains, and this is very important for us to understand why that in Genesis, the second chapter, we find man in verse 23 capitalized and woman 
woe mean woe of man, of the man, woe man, of the man. And it's capitalized because they're in the image and likeness of God. And there, even though at this point they have not fell yet, they have not eaten of the tree of knowledge yet. And after that, we're going to see there's a change. What would have been if they had not disobeyed God and eaten of the tree of knowledge, that Adam would have been the head of the whole body that had replenished the earth. Had he not sinned, he would have been the federal head of the creation of God and would have had not conditional eternal life, but have eternal life and having gained it through obedience unto the voice of the Lord in his commandment that thou shalt not eat of the tree of knowledge. Well, before that, before that, that incident happened, before Eve ate of the tree of knowledge and her name at that point was Adam. We'll see that in Genesis 5. Take a look. And it says that this is the book of the generations of Adam, Genesis 5.1. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him, just as he stated in Genesis 1.27. So God made man in his own image. But in that man was male and female. We see that in Genesis 1.27. So God made man in his, singular personal pronoun, his own image, male and female created he, them, which that man would contain male and female. Now, with that said, he says in Genesis 5, verse 2, male and female created he, them, and blessed them, and called their name both Adam. There was no separation. There was no Life giver Eve called after the after the fall that Adam named his life wife Adam Eve, the mother of all living. She will be saved in childbearing. And we find that in the day when they were created, before the fall, God called them both Adam because intrinsically they were the same in the likeness and image of God Almighty. It was only after the fall that we have Adam then naming his wife Eve because she's the mother of all living. From that point on, then it's the woman that will be saved in childbearing if she continues in faith with all sobriety. There we see that the woman, there as a bride of Christ, will bring forth the man-child Christ in her. Now, that's a great mystery concerning Christ in the church. We see it in Ephesians 5, that Paul goes on and says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Now, we see that that was from the beginning of creation even before the fall. And we see that 
we have that before the fall in Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. This is dismissation of innocency. They were innocent, not knowing good from evil. They're created in the likeness and the image of God. That's the reason that man is a capital M and that woman is a capital W. And this is God's will to bring both of them in one before the foundation of the world. That was God's plan, predetermined counsel of God. We say that again in Ephesians 1. God's will there before the foundation of the world was, was to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus and did that showing forth that in his creation. And Paul enumerates that in Ephesians 5. He basically states in Ephesians 5 that this is a not just a mystery, but a great mystery. And we're going to see there that Paul enumerates that and says that, that therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Adam was created first, then Eve, but Eve was from Adam, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Therefore, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. What came out of Jesus' side? Well, the capital M-A-N, man, in Genesis 2, we see there came forth a woman, a rib of his side, and there Jesus on the cross, long enough spear, pierces Jesus' side, Forthwith there came water and blood. And there was the birth of the church, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. There, God is sanctifying and cleansing his bride, the body of Christ, by the washing of water, by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not a church that is backbiting, envy, strife, hate, and malice, that is carnally minded, but that is in the perfect image and the likeness of Jesus. That's the reason why. That it is imperative that the church of the living God, the body of Christ, are to be made perfect, just as Jesus stated in Matthew Five, six, and seven in the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. Be you therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. Now he gave us some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So we have been progressively going up into Jesus in all things and all truth. And until all things in the truth of their, the body of Christ 
in a perfect image of Jesus, in the likeness of Jesus, growing up in him in all things so that we're not tossed to and fro by everyone of doctrine, that Jesus will not come until the body of Christ is perfected and restored in that faith that was once delivered to the saints. We see that in Acts 3, 20 and 21. The heavens must receive Jesus until the times of the restitution or restoration of all things, all truth, all faith. Growing up into Jesus in all things that were not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So when Jesus comes, he will present to himself a glorious church in the perfect image of himself. A glorious church without spot or blemish. Paul says that the same thing in Ephesians 5, verse 27, that he might present it, that body of Christ, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Then he goes to the natural man and woman today, in the, the body of Christ and the family element. And we are to learn piety first at home because the man is the head of the house. As God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of man, man's the head of the woman. And that is the hierarchy that God has stated to please him, to find favor with God. And when we breach that, then we fall out of favor. We go against the counsel of God. And when we do, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. And in America, throughout the world, and this woke ideology, it is coming directly against the word of God. And because it is, it will bring forth God's judgment. There we are to understand that if we to have favor with God and to please him, then we have to obey his commandments. Those that love God keep his commandments. And they are not grievous. They're not for us to be under bondage, but to be a free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. But he that grows up into Jesus in the word of God and whom the son of God has made free is free indeed. And we're to stand there in that liberty when Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage going against God's will, which many are doing today and thinking they have a right to do so because they have not sought God and will not like to keep God in their knowledge. Then God will turn them over to a reprobate mind doing that which is unseemly. When he says, so ought men, as Christ to love the church, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Why? Because the wife is of the man. Woman, a woman is of the man. Not the other way around. First was created man, then woman is of the man. Therefore, in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's neither male nor female, for God in there sees his creation 
as one. And that is the revelation that we have with Jesus Christ and the church of the living God. He that layeth, that loveth his wife, if you love your wife, well, you love yourself. Why is that? Because she is the bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, and is of the man. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. So someone that is against his wife and does not love his wife and cherish her, then finds that he is literally coming against his own self, and that's the reason why that he that committeth adultery setteth against his own body. Every other sin is without the body. But he that committeth adultery setteth against his own body. Why? Because the woman that is bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, is there in the spirit of that man being one flesh. There, if he commits adultery, there are fornication there with another woman. There, then he has breached that and literally sinned against his own self. There, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, because the woman is his own flesh of the man. But he nourishes it and cherishes it, cherishes it even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body. There he goes on with this mystery. To understand that and to discern the body of Christ is that we do not speak evil one of another because there's only one body. And therefore, when we do that communion with the Lord, and it says in 1 Corinthians 11, that we are to examine ourselves and realize that there is only but one body. And when we take that bread and break it, that is the body of Jesus, and the wine, that is his blood. And he that drinketh that wine and eat that bread unworthily drinketh damnation and eats damnation to himself because he has not discerned the Lord's body, which is one. That is a very, it is a self-destructive phenomenon that a man will do thinking that he has a right to do so. And many, many are sick and some sleep, that is, that are dead, not discerning the Lord's body. So we are to speak as uh, provoking one another in the body of Christ and the good works. And not saying to our brother, Rekha, or thou fool, you say in your brother, Rekha, you're in danger of the council. You say thou fool to the body of Christ, you're in danger of hellfire because you spoke against the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus, which brings us all into one. God has, therefore, everything that God has made of one blood of all nations. So we speak evil of no man, knowing that they are created of God. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Now, he is the spirit of God. We realize that. We'll never be the spirit of God, but we will be members of his body. 
individual members of the body, members in particular. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of thee. The hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of thee. For God has put the place the more abundant honor on the less comely parts, there'd be no chism or division in the body. For this cause, right there that he stated in the creation, before the fall, in Genesis 2, that for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, cleave unto his wife, be one flesh, and they too shall be one flesh. Therefore, God deals with us as one, as the body of Christ is one. He does not speak one thing to one member and a different thing to another, causing confusion. If God called and created a man in his own image, male and female, God knew what he was doing. And when we breach that, then we are there breaching the flow of the Spirit of God in creation coming against his mandate. When we do that, we're sowing to that confusion. We think that in our mind we can change things. But it is not changeable. Is it? it is inextricable. When your man is called and has and marries his wife and they have children, they can't say, well, now I'll tell you what, I wish I had a boy and I have a girl and so or vice versa and we're going to change the gender of the child. When we start doing that, then we are playing in a spiritual realm, not a natural realm, a spiritual realm in the very will of God. God created male and female. He's the one that opens the womb and shuts it. And everything that God does is not just by chance. It is everything ordained of God in his predeterminate counsel because he's a sovereign God. So therefore, in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. God said, I've overcome the world. So in Christ, he didn't say all things are good. He said, but all things work together for good to them that love God and them that are called according to his purpose. He didn't say all things are good. All things will work together for good. So whatever life deals you, God will take that for his honor and for his glory, the ones that live for him and overcome the world. They'll overcome the devil and their own flesh their own fleshly desires. When we breach this, we do not like to give God the obedience under righteousness, and we want to change the will of God. We can't change the will of God. We either do the will of God or we don't. If we do the will of God, then we'll be blessed. As he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that worketh in you both the one to do of his good pleasure, and then you have peace, peace that passes all understanding, not as the world gives, but as God gives. If we breach that, then there is no peace. And we've sown to the wind, we will reap the whirlwind. It would be far, far greater. They're in the judgment of God because we come against the institution of marriage. We come against the institution of gender. 
And when we do that, then we have taken upon ourselves to stand against God. And when you stand against God, it's not a great or a a nice outcome. The end thereof, the ways of death, it's sin. And basically, the the bottom line, you can say sin is transgression of the law, different uh, uh, definition that you would attach to sin. But basically, the bottom line, sin is disobedience. And that righteousness, it is obedience. If obedience is under righteousness, we simply obey his commandments and do what God says, and we live a peaceable, thankful, holy life under God and bring forth praises and grow in favor with God. If we come against that, then we have nothing but judgment. And the judgments of God are real. It's not something that uh, uh, someone can say, well, I will overcome this. No, you're standing against God. So when we see this is a great mystery, Paul stated that, and he says, this is a great mystery. A man leaving his father and mother and cleaving to his wife, they being one flesh, that Jesus on the cross, on Golgotha, Calvary, after he died and he had shed his blood, that long enough spear pierced Jesus' side, just as that man, Adam, there, and God took a rib out of his side. That rib is now the church of the living God, as we see in Ephesians 5 that Paul gives us this great mystery. And to have favor with God is to obey his commandments and we grow in the love and in faith to virtue, virtue to knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, the God life, brotherly kindness, and then charity, which will cover a multitude of sins. That is the only mind that is at peace with the Lord. Everything else is travail, trouble, and reaps uh, the ways of the world and the judgments uh, that will be tormenting forever. Everything God does, he does forever. So Paul said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, when you have that understanding that that wife is that one in that man, woman of the man. What's the definition of woman? It is she's of the man, woman of the man. And these are one flesh. And the wife see that she reverence her husband because God's called us to peace. And it's very simple. Now, of course, we find in the word of God that Abram, there, after he has a ha, Abraham. Then we have Sarah, dominative, princess, and that ruler over the people, Sarah. Then she becomes Sarah with a ha, Sarah. Well, then you have that then you have the father of faith. And they have a promised seed called Isaac. And when you obey the word of God, you have that peace. And Isaac means laughter. 
he will have the last laugh. It means in merriment. It means a state of glory. And it mocks the unbeliever. In other words, all the seed of Abraham, that promised seed of Isaac, will have the last laugh. People think that they can become genetically inclined one way or another, heap to themselves many hurtful lusts. And these different uh, uh, genetic, changing genetics are literally changing the very soul of the individual, the mind, will, emotions, imagination, intellect that God has placed in the genetics of that person. And just by changing in an operation or doing whatever does not change the soul. And that's where the problem comes in. It's problematic because you cannot change the spirit, that conscience of that person. You can't change that intuition of that person in the spirit of that male or female. It cannot be done. We think we can. Genetically, we think we can play with the genetics and do that. But all it's going to do is heap mischief upon that individual. Standing against God in the way that he created things, uh, which everything that God does in creation is good. But we want to change that. And then we're heap mischief upon the individuals that, that consent to do that because they're changing uh, not only in the spirit of that human being, which they have conscience, conscience, what they learned, good and uh, evil, good and bad, in other words, and uh, that intuition, things that they have given them from God that they did not use the human intellect to learn is the intuition. They have gifts of God. Some have mechanical ability, the IQ, the intelligent quotient. And some will have uh, musical talent. But everyone will have talents according to God give. And uh, that is in the spirit of that person, not in the flesh. It's in the spirit. And we think we're going to change that through some kind of genetic alterations. The answer is no. It's impossible. And what happens is that we have in a spiritual realm that the obedience, then we have ministering spirits for them who are heirs of salvation through the angelic force, and then we come against that. Then we have chaos, iniquity. And when we have that, it's directly against the love of God. It stands against his whole creation and against the knowledge of God. And the outcome of that is the Romans 1. So what happens in the soul realm? The mind, the will, emotions, imagination, intellect. We think we can change our mind. Well, in that mind, there's the will. The will of that individual that can only find peace for what they were called to do to begin with from their creator. But we've taken that upon ourselves to change the genetic code. And when we do that, then that mind and the will of that person and its imaginations, everything changes. The intellect changes. And what happens then is the door opens to that spiritual realm in that mind of that individual where Satan wars against that mind. When we have the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ and being one with him, 
There's peace that passes all understanding. When we go against it, then it's chaos and it becomes torment. And we're tormented. Why? Because we breached the will of God. And we simply obey God. So if you, if you know someone, or maybe you, you're thinking of maybe let's change the gender, let's transgender. I don't know that I'm this or that, and you're thinking. If you will simply say a prayer to the Lord God Almighty who created you, and simply ask, why did you create me, and for what reason, and, and mean it in God? And ask, it'll be given you. You seek, you will find. You knock, it'll be open to you. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But he knows what he's doing. And we think we can change, just alter the gender. And then all of a sudden, everything in the mind, will, emotion, imagination, intellect, in the soul realm will work out. And then the spirit is changed. And that human being is not so and can never be. Because it's against the whole creation that God did from day one. And when we realize that, we'll quit playing God and let God be God. Now, uh, we can help in any way you have prayer requests. Simply message us and we will pray. We'll pray for you. We have many that have prayer requests and we pray over them. And God will answer your prayers. There, if this has been a blessing to you or you agree with it, and especially in the work of the ministry that God's doing now, preparing for the last great reign of his strength called the latter reign, then please contact me. Dennis Beard, there at Dennis at DennisBeard.org is my email. I would love to hear from you. You can also message me over the websites, DennisBeard.org, SealingGodsPeople.org, SealingGodsPeople.com. Or you can drop me a line, drop me a letter, that at Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. There, you can call me. The country code is plus one, area code 903-746-4885. If you or you know someone going through a time and they're, they're trying to figure out their life and what they're called for, we will be glad to pray, and I know that God will answer because he wants all to come to him uh, there for his will and his, his purpose to be worked out in your life. He knows what he's doing. He's a good God. He's not there to torment anyone. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So we have a good God who knows uh, that he has your best interest at, at heart, the heart of God. And that is that he will do abundantly above all that we can think or ask, simply turning all our cares over to him because he cares for us. Well, as God bless you, each one of you and perfect that which is lacking in all of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.